It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as you guys watching live on Facebook, YouTube or Twitter can see, I'm joined by Newcastle Fans TV, Sam Muller. As usual, um, well, the running joke is when Sam joins us on this podcast, it either means I'm on holiday, but as you can see, I'm not. I'm in our wonderful office here, Chronicle Towers. Or there's another survey, and there is indeed another survey. And we always get Sam on to uh, answer the questions that we want you guys, the listeners and viewers, to answer as well. And I pop the, uh, the, the link to the survey into the comments. It's such a running joke that uh, Sam actually originally... On his little handle there um, on the live uh, broadcast, had written Survey Boy, Survey Man. I survey. Survey. Yeah, yeah, but a bit of respect. I, I am one, one year older than you, I think. Um, so, yeah, Survey Man. Survey Man. No cape, though. Not this, not this time. Not all heroes wear capes, as we all well know. I think that might allude to Eddie Howe being a hero and not wearing a cape. Am I right? Is that where you were going with that? Maybe yeah? it, could, it could be Eddie Howe. It could be any number of, uh, of Newcastle alumni this season so far. Um, it definitely could. And no doubt we'll get into um, the long list of players who have impressed and put everything on the line for Newcastle in the first half of the season. Um, let me just explain then the survey, what's gone on. Um, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions. Um, they're all zero to 100 in answers. So we're going to get Sam um, once again to give us um, a rating out of 100. And they're all to do with Newcastle United on and off the pitch. And just to get a feel about how you guys um, are, are feeling about Newcastle during this World Cup break, I imagine the majority will be over the moon, Newcastle sitting in third looking like you know that's not going to drop off they deserve to be there uh i think the world cup breaks probably come at the wrong time for them given the momentum they're on and we'll get into that but um i imagine everyone's going to be very very happy i imagine sam your answers are probably going to be as close to 100 if not at 100 as they could possibly be yeah um great to see you sticking with the uh marks out of 100 with the survey really is um I know there was a lot of peer pressure to to make it more feasible to to be out of ten, but no, let's stick with a hundred. Let let's not bow down to pressure. Um, of course, they're going to be um, massively um, optimistic unless one of the questions is, "Are you enjoying the World Cup and has it come at a good time?" Which, of course, no, and it hasn't. It hasn't has it? I mean, are you enjoying the World Cup? Not really. No, I'm not. A big, I'm not a big international football fan. I mean, I'm, I'm in, I've enjoyed. The, the games on during you know due, all during the day, but of course recently in the last couple of days that hasn't been hasn't been the case. You got to wait till three o'clock and, and then six and some big shocks. But in general, I just want Newcastle United back playing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong; I'm still watching every game. And like you're thoroughly bored by the ten o'clock game, thoroughly bored by the one o'clock game, but you're still looking to see what's on at four o'clock, and we'll watch it and the same again for seven. So yeah, I mean, there's been flashes of brilliance, but I don't think there's um, any real outstanding quality in the tournament yet. Has it been slightly strange to see Newcastle represented by quite a few players? Now, of course, not all of them have got game time. Bruno's only had was it fifteen twenty minutes. Trippier, of course, started a couple of games, came off the bench for the last one. Um, Wilson's uh, obviously appeared, so Grealish, Nick Pope hasn't. Uh, I don't think Fabian Shares featured either. But has it been slightly strange, Sam, watching the games and actually seeing Newcastle's players take part? Uh, what would you say? They haven't really. Uh, Grand Kowal as well hasn't really um, done a lot for Australia. He has not really got a chance. Uh, Share surprises me why he's not. A regular in the in the Switzerland starting eleven, no coincidence. Brazil got class once Bruno came on the other night. I thought Callum Wilson's been fantastic in both of his appearances, and um, Trippier does what Trippier does. Um, I mean, you could look at it the other way and say, well, isn't at least with them not playing, there's no risk of them being injured. So uh, we've we've got our eyes firmly on the uh, Bournemouth game, haven't we? There's been lots of talk about James Madison hanging out with Callum Wilson and. 
likes Nick Pope and, and Kieran Trippier. Um, you know, he's mentioned there's been a bit of banter back and forth about the rumours in the summer that Madison was close to joining Newcastle. We've already got questions in the comments, Sam, about James Madison. Um, do you think uh, that time spent uh, in guitar with uh, Newcastle's, or Newcastle's, some of Newcastle's top players might help persuade him to head to Tyneside in January? I don't think that is the sticking issue of a deal. Um, I think Madison would come, and the the banter he's having with 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 our boys uh, will only uh, help the situation. The difficulty of the deal is agreeing a fee and doing a deal between the two clubs. Um, ourselves on Newcastle fans TV spoke with Keith Downey. We put a video out yesterday, and he's saying that deal is going to be very very difficult to do in January. So I think it might be one for the summer, but you never know. You never know. There there will be business done in January, of course it is, but it's 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 a trickier window than the summer. Yeah, and one of the questions is on the January transfer window, so we'll get to that later in the show. Um, we'll start though with your happiness level with Newcastle's start to the season out of 100? Um, we're third in the league. <laughs> How can you not be overjoyed? If you really want to nitpick, we've had two disappointing home draws, but I'm not going to nitpick. I'm absolutely over the moon. Um, everything seems to be back, as in atmosphere, application on the pitch. Squad togetherness, tactical nows, which is something we've we've missed since uh, since Rafa. And yeah, I I, I don't think. I, I mean, I'll go ninety nine purely because those two home draws were a bit disappointing. But with uh, like, if you just look at them as a standalone fixture, um, yeah, we, we we should be winning them sort of games, but we've we've gone and won games that maybe we didn't have a right to, and we've we've been absolutely superb rejuvenation of certain players. Um, Joe Linton's been um, mint for over a year now, officially. Uh, it was the anniversary of the Norwich game yesterday, uh, so so yeah, there's there's been a real upturn in everything in the whole atmosphere. Women getting to play at St James's Park again, setting records. Uh, the whole buzz about the place, statues have been moved, and and it's 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 just great to be a Newcastle fan again. So, yeah, ninety nine out of a hundred. How far can Newcastle go this season? Can they maintain the push for Champions League football? Can they maybe launch a surprise attack on the on top spot, or is it more realistic to say you know you can? You can see the form merely maybe tailing off at some point and finishing fifth, sixth, seventh. You know. Well, no, I'm going to flip this on to you. Would you still be happy to finish eleventh? I knew that was coming. I, I, I had a little sweepstake in my mind at what time we'd mention this. Um, for context, I said, and I've repeatedly stuck by saying that I'd be happy with tenth or eleventh and getting. No, you didn't. You said you'd be happy with eleventh. You never mentioned tenth. Don't slightly backtrack or U-turn. Right. Um, well, no, I mean, look, in context of what's happened so far, you would have to say that if they ended up finishing 11th, um, it would be, I don't want to use the word a, a failure, but it, it would something would have had to have gone uh, seriously wrong. Yeah, I would be disappointed and something would have to have gone seriously wrong for them to fall so far away from where they are at the moment because um, no one expected it. You can't sit there and I don't think any fan watching this, listening to this later on, um, do remember to hit that subscribe button, will honestly put their hands up and say, I fully expected Newcastle to be in the top four come the World Cup break. No, of course they didn't. And isn't it brilliant that we are? Um, I think the first few games back will shape our season and how we go into January. And then um, we'll have to look at what bodies we can get through the door to improve the squad because a few injuries and we are we're getting there, don't get me wrong, but there's, we're still bare bones after a couple of injuries in certain areas. Um, but we are getting there. It obviously takes time and a few more transfer windows. Um, but Leicester away is going to be a hell of a lot tougher than it would have been a couple of months ago. Yeah, well, um, they're, they're picking up some form now. We've got a very up and down record at 
at uh, God, I nearly said Filbert Street then, showing my age. My word. Um, we've got a, a very uh, up and down record there. And then, of course, Leeds at home, which is the closest we're ever going to get to a derby anytime soon. Because at least Newcastle fans or and Leeds fans in this instance, because we're at home, can be home in time for tea, and then a very very tricky game against top of the league Arsenal away. So going into January and and how that break will affect us. Obviously, we've got the friendly against Vallecano and the and the uh, training camp out in Saudi, which worked a treat last time. It it it's going to be very interesting to see how. And if we can um, pick up where we left off and and maintain our fantastic form, mm. I, I think it, it is going to be very interesting. And I think finish. I can. It's. I still think it has to tail off at some point, just because form isn't permanent, and it, it will. Unfortunately, it's going to be really interesting to see how Eddie Howe, the players, the fans, you know, deal with that because it could be lose one or two games. It could go on to lose. Five or six, you, know, you, you just you just don't know in this instance. It's going to be really interesting to see how people deal with that when it does happen, because inevitably it will. Um, but I still think we'll finish in the top six. I I, I do think we'll finish Ooh. in the top six. Well, they're on record. I think we'll finish in the top six. Um, I think they've left themselves in a really good position to push teams for Champions League football. Um, being in this position going into January. Is really interesting as well. Do the do the do the owners invest maybe a little bit more than they would have done? Um, does it make Newcastle a more attractive proposition? Because let's be honest, they're gonna be only. I mean, if they manage to fall out the top three before the window opens, they're only gonna be a few points away from it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so it looks like a much more attractive proposition than maybe it did in the in the summer. Um, it's just gonna be a dead interesting window, I think. And that's the next question is uh, how much do you think Newcastle need to spend in January? And this is uh, north to 100, but the north to the 100 is a, with a pound sign in front. It, it, it's a real tricky one, isn't it? Because it's January, so look at the lessons from last January. We, we had to overpay in a lot of areas, um, activate release clauses, and bide our time, wait for certain deals, utilise loan markets. It, it's such a tricky window to do genuinely good business now, um, which of course we did last last year with Trippier and um, and Bruno, which is just out of this world. Every time you you sit back and and take stock and look at them them deals, I mean, so obviously centre midfield needs needs strengthening, hence why all the links for for Madison. I say it needs strengthening. I think. Look, Shelby's been injured. I think Joe Linton, Bruno, Willock and Sean Longstaff have all been absolutely superb. So for me, centre midfield's never been priority. I always wanted another winger, but I wasn't expecting Almiron's form to to dramatically just turn into worldliness. Um, can he maintain that? I don't know. I'm not sure. I still have my doubts. So that's where squad depth comes in because... As as good as Jacob Murphy's been, even and Ryan Fraser as well, who's who's I think's been struggling with a a lot of niggling injuries lately, and I'm still a fan of Ryan Fraser. Don't get me wrong, but if you're pushing a for a Champions League charge, is Jacob Murphy the man to change a game and bring off the bench? I can't wait to see a fully fit team with ASM and Alex Isak back in the team. That that has me absolutely. In, in, a, in a good way I can't wait maybe a, maybe a winger it, it, it's going to be tricky and where, where else do you look to strengthen I mean you've got to I suppose when you're looking at centre midfield it's going to you're looking at signings that will take us to that next level so it, it, it's so difficult I mean it's not going to take much now for where we want to be to get to 100 million is it is that like two or two maybe three players mm. it's really? going to be interesting to see whether they, they deviate from their original plan you know we've seen we've seen for the majority of what they do in the transfer window they, they stick to target you know they they wanted botman didn't get him went back in and got him they wanted a tech year didn't get him went back in didn't get him they had looked at his act thought too expensive 
but then we're, but then this is the, then this is where like kind of the, the 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 other side to them. Wilson gets injured, and then they they looked around and said, okay, we definitely got to get a goal score here. So they went out and got him. So we're Two seeing goals that they, in three games. Class. There you go. So um, they they listened to you clearly when they were looking for a striker, Sam. Um, but they, they, but you, what you see is kind of two different sides to Newcastle's transfer strategy, um, which has been really interesting to see. So it's going to be so interesting to see whether they do spend maybe a little bit more. Um, I know that it's only north to 100 here, your options, and you're right. You know, in today's market, one player, you look at Isaac, you know, what's he cost? Uh, 60-odd million. One good player to take you up to the level, which will help you maintain a Champions League push, is probably going to cost you 60, 70 million. Um, so you're not left with much room. But I do think it's interesting you mentioned the wingers there, and we've got a question here from Roger on Trossard playing for Belgium. Um, you know, he, he performing really well for Brighton in the league. His manager, interestingly, came out, his Brighton manager came out earlier this week and said he's only playing 80% of his um, true potential. So he thinks he's got another level to go. Um, but he's someone that knows where the back of the net is. And I think that's maybe just where Newcastle are lacking. You've got Almiron scoring goals, but then you look around. I know Joe Linton's been on that side. doesn't net, net as much as, as we'd like him to. Jacob Murphy just can't seem to, to buy a goal. Um, St. Maxman, he's another one who needs to add goals to his game. So you would like, I would like to see them bring in a, a, another winger who can who can score goals effectively. Yeah, you can't be overly reliant now just on one man uh, to be the focal point like Callum Wilson. Um, yeah, Trossard's an interesting one because he's a player that's probably looking to go up to the next level as well. He's not, I think it's fair to say he's not a regular for, for Belgium, especially in the starting eleven, in in what's a very ageing Belgium side that's, that's missed their golden generation now, hasn't it? Um, it, just on Belgium, it's shocking to see how much Eden Hazard's declined. That's absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, I think Trossard would be a good signing. Of course, he would because he's he's better than what we've got in the squad. Um, we can't just be looking for for players to fit in there. They've got to enhance the whole squad as a as a whole. You know, so. I would, I would be, I would be a fan of Trossard were we to get him. Um, he's, he is a good player, and, and as I say, Brighton are one of them sides that always shape up to to look like they're having a good season, but then they always kind of die off towards the end, um, second half of the season. And plus, their new manager, how adept is he to the Premier League? How how is he going to struggle? Is he is he the right man? There's still question marks there, and it's still early days for him. So Trossard Trossard could be a, an interesting one. Might have to get Big Dad and Burn in there to uh, get in the heads. Well, I was going to say, I mean, there's a there's a few people within Newcastle who can uh, give good character references should he need it. Obviously, Dan Ashworth, Dan Burn um, would be. Yeah, but they've all gone. The rest of them have all gone to Chelsea. That's, that's very true, but we've got we've got the two main men, and they I'm sure they will um, tell Eddie how the good or bad about Trossard. Um, have you? Well, well, first off, Sam, I mentioned there the interest and the the intrigue and in whether Newcastle will maybe change their plans. Would it be a gamble for them to do so? Like you know, if they're looking now um, at the league table and they go, okay, well, we've got a real shot here of getting Champions League football. And I think back to when Mike Ashley moved a few months early and brought in CC, it didn't work. He was stung by that. And that really, you know, that kind of was the, well, it wasn't the start of the, the downward spiral. It kind of already begun. Um, but, you know, he really didn't re- kind of recover from that. He felt he gambled and it didn't work. And I know things I are totally he different. was stung. CC was, what, nine million? And he's, all, all he did then, actually, for, for once in, in a lifetime, is he did the right thing. He did the right thing, but it didn't. He did it because he thought Newcastle were going to qualify for the Champions League, and it didn't work. And, and I know things are very, very different uh, this time around. But I'm just thinking: Do you can you see them changing their plan and gambling to get Champions League football, or do you think they'll they'll stick to a more sensible approach and and, and still look to build block by block? And if something, some player, a massive opportunity comes up, they might move, um, but they're not totally just going to rip up their, their, their January plan in the hope of Champions League football. Yeah, I think they'll weigh it up. 
like like they did last January. Like, if an opportunity arises to sign someone in the in the same kind of ability as as Bruno, then then you go and do it, don't you? Um, you don't. They won't. What they won't do, as we saw again last uh, last year, when we were pursuing centre backs, they won't just chuck money and be held to ransom and, and completely lose their heads like some teams have who have. have continuously overspent and now find themselves in a bit of difficulty, i.e. Everton and and maybe Aston Villa if they carry on in the same um, in the same footpath. So I think they're a lot more astute within their financial spend to to weigh things up and, and assess the situation and take it on a, a case by case basis. But I'm I'm look there's there's people with expertise in Newcastle United now. Which is just great. <laughs> so I've got all the confidence in the world that they'll do the right thing. And who knows? Who knows if if something. The, the interesting thing is, like players come up in these World Cups and then suddenly are available in the next transfer windows. So who knows? We'll see. Have you uh, spotted anyone during this World Cup which might take your fancy? I know you're not leading the scouting operation up there at St James's Park, but is there anyone? Uh, that that you'd you'd like to see following their performances at the World Cup? Um, there's a there's a really talented uh, chap um, for Argentina. Um, Where's the number ten? Um, Messi, um, Lionel Lionel Messi. Yeah, he, he's he, he's not bad. Um, no, he's not as good as he was either, is he? Let's let's face it. And isn't he going to Beckham's team? Well, there's there's lots of rumours. I, I I think uh, Saudi sports minister was pushing, wasn't he, in the interviews he did last week to to try and uh, get him to come and join the Saudi league. The same with Ronaldo as well. So, um, lots yeah, of but, uh, wouldn't it just be great to see Phil Neville coaching Lionel Messi? It'd be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Lionel, you got to track back. Um, yeah. So, in, in terms of anyone. In all seriousness, that 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 stands out. No, not not to me, not yet. Um, and you and, and it is a minefield as well because international tournaments can sometimes be misleading. Because I like, remember when Milan Barros was top scorer of the Euros, so that it's it's not um, nothing to foregone conclusion. But there's no one that's really made me go, "Wow, I wish we had him." And I mean, what was interesting there, you you said you had confidence in in those up at Newcastle to do the the right thing, and I think that's probably one of the most refreshing things, and something that really stands out amongst the fan base is that if Newcastle, i.e., like when they signed Isaac, they needed a striker, they will go out and get it. You know, whereas under the previous ownership, it was either done right at the last minute, get the helicopter out, um, and then it often didn't pay off. So it is refreshing to have a board in place who are, are proactive rather than reactive. Um, we will move on to the next question. So, so far, some, um, some well, a high mark for your happiness with Newcastle season so far, and then um, north to 100 in, in terms of spending. I mean, what we're going to say? I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It is a difficult one, probably around the £80 million mark, just for a couple of players. I mean, you also could ship some players out as well. I'm not sure how much money you would get for the likes but- of... Matt that Ritchie, Jamal Lascelles, perhaps potentially. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't move Lascelles. I wouldn't move. Wouldn't. No, not yet. But the I likes think... of Richie, want who will move to Portsmouth eventually. It's just, it's just when that happens. And the likes of Jamal Lewis needs game time. Um, Dummett will probably go at the end of the season. That's his ten years done. Um, will we re-sign Carius? Is 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 the question on everyone's lips? At well, the that moment. is one of the important questions because Newcastle go and sign just one uh, senior player in January, someone has to drop out because they've, they've got a full squad. So is it Carrius? Is it Dummy? You know, well, it depends what happens with Debravka at Man, Man United, course, doesn't it? He's, he's played one. Has he played one game? One game, all? I think. Yeah. Wow, that's worth it, isn't it? So. Yeah, it's one of them, but there's a lot of kind of left-sided defensive-ish players that are all competing for left-back, but that's 
suddenly been filled by a six foot seven centre half who can play a bit of left back and is doing a grand job. So yeah, Jamal Lewis needs games. I think um, he needs a, a good loan move to the Championship, um, or even or even a bottom half Premier League team because I still have faith in his ability. I really do. Um, <clears throat> Defence, the centre backs, I would I'm I'm happy with, more than happy with. Um, and and to be fair, if we have an injury crisis, I'd just get Charlotte Potts from the women. Dress her up and then and away she goes. She's an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre back as well. Her her and Sven Botman would be one hell of a partnership. Um, yeah, so the likes of Mankio as well could be moved on. Um, we know it's not going to be Kraft because he signed a new deal. So th- there's a few to uh, ship out there, isn't there? Yeah, going to be interesting to see what happens with those outgoings. But I think it's interesting. I was on a guest on another podcast. Uh, earlier this week and we were talking about the defence and I said I, 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 if everyone stays I'm including Lascelles I could see them waiting until summer 2024 to actually make a big sign in, the, in that area because you have I think you have a good depth there it's certainly not going to be a priority if everyone stays and unless you know a, a big opportunity comes up to sign a proper quality centre back then I, I, I can see that there's not many yeah and Kel Watt is another one who could, you know, who impressed in preseason, picked up that injury, but he could come back next preseason and 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 fight for a place. So it's really good to see how healthy that centre back uh, position is. On to the third question, then Sam, how much do you trust Eddie Howe and his coaching staff to achieve success for the club? Zero, sack them. One hundred. 10-year contract. Now, I didn't, I, 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 just before people start writing in, I didn't write these uh, survey little notes there uh, with the, the zero and 100, so please don't at me. But um, I'm still going to get Sam to answer the question in that manner. So 100, give him a 10-year contract. Well, a 10-year contract's off the table. We don't do silly things like that anymore, do we? Um, it's an interesting one because this has kind of gone under the radar a bit because the focus has been on, on um, the playing side of things. But, Eddie Howe's very quietly kind of just transformed and and um, there's been a bit of a, a mini revolution under under it with the with the non-playing staff and it's only really Graham Jones and Ben Dawson that have that have stayed really hasn't there um, there's been a, a change of goalkeeping coach the physio department big change with Derek Wright um, retiring. Um, Simon Smith leaving the, the the goalkeeping department, as I say. So, um, beforehand, there was maybe what five or six coaches. I mean, th- there was that photo when Eddie Howe won Manager of the Month, wasn't there, with his with his whole team of staff, and there's about thirty of them. And then when Rafa won it, there's like Rafa and like two or three or four others, and that and that was that. So that that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, and it's. Again, this is what has to happen now because this is the norm in football. You have a whole, a whole team of, of up to thirty people in every, assessing every aspect of performance, nutrition, um, the medical side of things. Again, Newcastle being run like a football club in the twenty first century. So, I do have faith. Of course, he's, Eddie Howe's earned the right. He's, he signed he signed a new deal earlier this, in the season as well, didn't he? Which is a sense, a sense, keep it a sensible length. We don't need to hand out stupid contracts anymore. Um, six, seven, eight years, whatever, whether you're a player or a, or a coach. So there's, in terms of scoring this, it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit, not silly, but like. What we'll do is with that, I'm going to help you out. Scrap the little notes next to the zero and a hundred. So scrap the ten-year contract at a hundred. Just give me from zero to a hundred. Your happiness level, uh, or your sorry, your confidence in Eddie Howe to achieve success for the club. Well, if you look at the current form, it has to be a hundred. What the, the the job he's done up to now has been absolutely phenomenal. What is success for the club? Because I mean, the next question in this survey is, um, what level of ambition do you believe your club shows? Um, so I mean, if we put them two together and maybe help answer this question on trust in Eddie Howe. 
what is success for Newcastle United? Because at the moment, third in the league, going strong in the League Cup. I, I mean, for me, it would have been a cup run. As we've said earlier, no one's expected how Newcastle have done so far. But what do we de- what do we define as as success? What is what is the, the the hope? Well, this is still the first full proper season since the takeover, isn't it? So, like, you look back in history, and you know Eddie Howe is the equivalent of what Mark Hughes and Claudio Ranieri were at, at Man City and Chelsea. Um. So this this should be the manager before the the good times really start rolling and the silverware. But it's different because Eddie yeah. Howe's done an absolutely unbelievable job, which I don't think anyone else could have done, unless you were the the real elite managers in world football. And even then, they might not have got the same results Eddie Howe's done from where he's taken us. Um. You have to say a hundred. It's it, it's in terms of the confidence in him. I know, like obviously, scrap the ten year deal thing because that's just a little bit silly. But everything, the culture is built, the 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 atmosphere, the 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 squad morale. It's it's absolutely incredible. We haven't seen this for since Kevin Keegan, because even Bobby Robson had his problem with the with the Brat Pack and all, all that. The, the, there doesn't seem to be any cliques in the dressing room. It seems a real place of togetherness, which is like so heartwarming to see. Mm, no, 100%. And Roger Cook there watching live on Facebook just simply writes unity. And I, I think that's one of Newcastle's greatest assets, actually, that there isn't anyone kicking up a fuss. We mentioned Jamal LaSalle's earlier in the show. How many club captains would sit quite happily on the bench coming on every now and then and not kick up a fuss? He has been a remarkable character, I think, off the pitch. And I know some people watching this might sit here and say, well, you know, why wouldn't he be? He can sit there, he can be part of the journey, take the paycheck home. But no, you know, he's young enough to go and play some football at a decent enough level, but he wants to lead this club into a successful period and be the first captain, you know, hopefully yeah, of a successful time. And I think his character has um has been has been shown in a great light. Um really interesting as well. You mentioned there Mark Hughes, Cloudy Ranieri, obviously referring to when Man City were taking over, when Chelsea were taking over and it didn't last too long. But I just get the feeling it's going to be different here at Newcastle. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they're looking at Eddie Howe and thinking, well you laid down the foundations, and then we'll bring someone else in to build the walls. I think they're saying, well, you know, you go and do it all. It's a results-driven business. Let's not get that, you know, wrong. It is a results-driven business. The time will come where Eddie Howe has a bad run and he'll he'll eventually be sacked. That's just the way of the world. I know it's horrible to think of it right now, but, yeah, that that will happen one day. But it it is different because Eddie Howe's backing it up, if you know what I mean. So... Mark Hughes was kind of the equivalent of Eddie Howe back in the day. He was he was the net new upcoming manager where he looked like he was going to be the next big thing in management, but that quickly, you know. But I also think if you and you know, obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of what happened with the Man City takeover, but I think if you are looking ahead to a certain point and you're saying, well, at that certain point, we will go out and get um, a, a Roberto Mancini, or you know, the end goal is not Mark Hughes winning the Premier League with. Manchester City, that doesn't help you because you're always looking, you're always chasing something, and that doesn't help the current man in charge. Whereas here, Manchester has gone on record and said, "Well, why can't Eddie Howe be the Sir Alex Ferguson for Newcastle United?" You know, and I think that's a really, really big thing to have. We talk about unity. Well, it's shown there. It's from the very top all the way down to the very bottom, and I think that is a massive help because Eddie Howe doesn't really have to worry about the next man coming down the tracks because no. he knows he's got the backing. And he doesn't have to worry about, this is why the 10-year contract thing just doesn't matter, like, because contract length just, like, if that's the case, contract length, it doesn't matter what you've got. It, contracts just look after them, sort themselves out when, you, when you're doing that and, and being successful like they did with Alex Ferguson. So there was never any, can you remember at any point there was the, the speculation of, oh, well, he, he might not sign a new deal. 
to, to like to go somewhere else. No, it, it just looked after itself. Um, I do just very, very quickly want to digress and go back onto your point about Jamal Lascelles because I have always, always stuck with Lascelles and I've got so much respect for Jamal Lascelles. This is a guy who, when we were at our lowest and he was, what, 21 years old in a dressing room, not getting game time, he stood up and dug people out because he could see what was happening under under Steve McLaren and and then he he was the one that stood up and was there to be counted when he couldn't even get a game or a, a chance to go in the first team and he's took this club he wears that shirt with pride he wears the captain's armband with pride and he's been absolutely phenomenal yes he's put in some bad performances when the team were being bad but look everyone did because we all knew that they were just getting the balls out and training and having a bit of a kickabout so there was no proper coaching going on. So I've got so much respect for Jamal Lascelles and he, he, I would not be getting rid of him anytime soon at all because he can still come in the team and do a very, very good job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Richard Morris says he's putting a great performance at Anfield and I I agree. I think, as well as I previously mentioned there, it's the centre-back's strong. I would keep Lascelles. He's, he's proven himself to be a great leader um, and that's, that's so important, not, you know, off the pitch. And like you say, he comes in and he... He's more than capable of um, whether it's showing up the defence the last ten minutes or filling in if if need be if someone picks up an injury suspension. So yeah, I I totally agree with what you're saying there. Just the last point there on on Eddie Howe and the contract. I think what's also refreshing is that let's say Eddie Howe gets another bumper contract. There's no way he's resting on his laurels though. There's no way he's sitting back thinking, all right, five year deal here, massive pay rise. Duh, duh, duh. Some managers um, would they would sit back and think, right, what what else can I do? You know that you know I'm clearly loved. But Eddie Howe, every single day, is just wanting to get better and better and better. And you could give him the biggest contract in the world, but it wouldn't it wouldn't affect him. He wouldn't sit back and relax because it's always about improving. I think that is a as another great asset of, of Howe's management. Yeah, that that's why he's loved. That that's why it's 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 like all reciprocated for the work he puts in. Um, it's it's one of them with his press conferences when he talks, you listen. Whereas that's not been the case always because you knew what you knew what answers with some managers you were going to get before questions were even going to be asked. But when the likes of Sir Bobby, Rafa, Kevin Keegan, and Eddie Howe talk, you listen. It's genuinely interesting. Hmm. 100%, definitely. And also, the names you mentioned there, quite different in their approach to answering questions, but there's, there's, I don't know, there's just something about all the names you mentioned there, which fans just love their character and love listening to them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um... What level of ambition do you believe your club shows? Zero to hundred. Uh, they're not here to muck around, are they? Our new owners. Um, of course, things are going to take time, but they want to. I mean, how much did Chelsea sell for in the end? Billions, and look how much Man United and Liverpool are being sold for. So that's that's the value of where they want to take us from a business point, and you only get there by winning trophies, becoming a powerhouse on the and off the pitch. So they're very ambitious, but they're realistic at the same time. They're not they're gonna do it the right way, which they have done so far. Um but yeah, the level of ambition. You don't bring in the people you've brought in off the pitch if you're not going to do it properly. I, as as a fan, Sam, so I know you referenced before my uh predict my Let's say prediction for the start of the season, finishing eleventh and taking a cup run, and um, I'm just wondering in terms of achieving success and that word ambition to uh, alongside a club just wanting 
to do something. I mean, how it there, there is a difference in that. And what I'm meaning by that is like, you know, under Mike Ashley, it was you survive, survive in the Premier League, that's it. Do you, are you too, are you, are you fussed about, you know, the, the, the ambition, you know, to finish in the top four at the moment? Are you just enjoying the fact that they, they, they want to do something other than just exist? No, I, I'm enjoying it because we're not, because what you've got to remember as well is like, like we mentioned before about the Chelsea and Man City takeovers, Chelsea were already finishing fourth with, with Claudio Ranieri when they were at Good Johnson and Hasselbank up front. Um, and that's way, 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 way before they bought the likes of Drogba and Kesman. Um, so, and Man City were well established and, and nudging the top half of the Premier League because they had another little takeover before the big takeover, didn't they? The, the Shinawatras of the world. Um, and they had Sven managing them. So, we were starting from scratch. We were heading towards the Championship. We needed a hell of a lot more um, TLC than, than what they the other two teams did. So it, it it should, by all accounts, take a little bit longer. But the way things are going, the dramatic rise we've had, I mean, you, you don't sign, if you're not ambitious, you don't sign Bruno Guimaraes from Leon in your first transfer window. You don't get Trippier. You, you go and get, like, someone on loan from Arsenal, probably. You, you, get, you get Maitland-Niles on loan, don't you? Uh, you don't go and buy Trippier from Atletico Madrid who don't want to sell him. So th- the ambition is there, but it, we are in that nice area now where fan expectation isn't what it's going to be in a couple of years if the current trajectory continues. Yeah. Well, I, cause I ask that question because you often hear on, on, on national platforms about the ambition and what Newcastle fans are expecting and what they're demanding. But here on tying side and you know within the within the fan base i don't you don't get any of that because they're we i'm a fan as well we're simply just enjoying not having that end goal of just surviving and that's also a bit of context to why i set a lowly target in the first place because from what had gone previously finishing 11th and having a quite a good cup run is actually a massive improvement um i think like you say people are just enjoying having something else and just looking at the league table and saying oh well you know, a couple more wins and we'll have 30 points and that'll be it for this season. Yeah, but I couldn't agree more. Um, it's, it's just it's just such a nice place to be. And like, it is. And I really would urge everyone to just make the most of what it is now because like in the Sabobi days when we were challenging a bit for titles, um, we were top at Christmas 0102, weren't we? And the expectation was, was there that we should be challenging Man United and Arsenal for, for the league, but we couldn't quite get there. The expectation was there. Um, but now it is, it's in that nice, just bubbling stage where everything's really building and the excitement's there and you're still buzzing for every home win or every, every win that we get. And it's just a great, it's so great to be a part of, to be at St. James's Park or in the away end and, and to get three points. 100%. So I think ambition, at what level of ambition? 100? Are we going 100? Yeah, they are. They, they want to be the be all and end all, don't they, eventually? But it, it's just going to take time. There we go then. So 100 for that. Um, You mentioned there being in the crowd. How do you rate the match day experience at St. James's Park? I know, and our listeners will know, your listeners will know, you are down south, so you don't manage to get to every game, but you still get up quite a few games here yeah. to James's Park. So how are you rating that out of 100, that match day atmosphere? Uh, a lot better than it was 18 months ago. A lot, lot better. Um, under the previous manager, obviously, stories are well publicised, we all know, but the, the atmosphere had gone at St. James's Park and it was it was tatty. It was... It was <sighs> It just it, it, you're just doing it out of tradition, routine, and and it was just becoming very lethargic on and off the pitch. Uh, now, war flags uh, obviously they get praised a lot, and rightly so. But the, the, those those men and women have just improved things so much. It's what you look forward to 
it gives you something to look forward to to look at before the game. It's just fantastic. It really is from from wherever. I mean, I dot around the stadium. I don't stick to one place. So whether I'm front row in the Gallagher or up in level seven, like I was against Chelsea, the, the whole atmosphere resonates all around the stadium. Um, I love the walk up to the up to the ground. Um, those on who follow Chronic Live will probably see in the videos that I get just simply just walking up from from uh, from Percy Street here, walking up to the ground. You know, there's just a buzz. You're I still get butterflies. It's it's a great feeling. There's you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great feeling around the club at the moment, but there's something special about walking up with your with your dad or your pals up to St James's Park, and even more so now, given that you're going into into the ground thinking, well. Doesn't matter it's Chelsea. It doesn't matter that it's you know whoever Newcastle are here, and they're going to give everybody that comes to this great ground a real, real go, and probably come out on top as well. And it, it's yeah, that that is one of my favorite parts of the, of the of the day, just walking up to the ground. Yeah, I, I agree, and I I genuinely still get butterflies every time I'm there for a match day, and it's always been the same since the first time I've ever been up. I still get the same butterflies, the same feeling, same anticipation of getting into the ground. Um, you just can't beat it. There's no other place like it in the country. Mm. And you give a shout there to our flags. They've been brilliant. Um, it's been really interesting to see what they do. Uh, the Bournemouth game, then you have that the Leeds game as well. So you know they're just going to get better and better. And it's it's it, it's difficult to say that because they're already bloody brilliant. So yeah. they get better and better. They have to do something more special every single uh, game, but they still manage to pull out the hat. And they have been they have been a big part of changing the atmosphere into a force of good. Yeah, where where like where can they go? What's 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 the ultimate? Are they going to get like a helicopter to drop a massive banner onto the pitch onto St James's Park before? the last game of the season or something. I don't know. Get your donations in. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's it's absolutely fantastic. And it's it probably gives a great experience for away fans as well, to be fair, because mm. they're stuck up in level seven, and rightly so, uh, out of the way. But it gives them something to look at before the game, before they go home with nothing, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, times have changed. It's a fortress again, which it, it, it really wasn't before. It had completely lost its spark, its um, its intimidation factor. It had lost it all, and now it's got it back tenfold. So out of 100, what are we doing? What are we going for? I love St. James's Park. I never want to leave St. James's Park. I want it to be bigger. I don't want to move. Although quite a few fans, and this is whenever we've spoken about this, about, um, about relocation or expansion... Uh, whenever we spoke about it on NFTV, it always surprises me the amount of people that say they would move. I wouldn't move personally. Never in a million years. Um, I'd do. Uh, I'd, I'd move heaven and earth to to get whatever needs to be done to to expand, to 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 grow the um, the east and, and the Gallagher. But you can, um, see, you can see the uh, the stadium here from our office. The uh, the bit where the giant screen is, and you know. I must walk over three or four times a day just to look at it. I mean, there's nothing new about it. It's the same as it was yesterday. It'll be the same day as it is tomorrow. But there's something uh, just that we can see it out outside the window. Is uh, it's it's there's just something about it. I don't know. It's, you know, it's one of those things. Um, but yeah, love St James Park. So a very high mark there for match down. So it's all. Should we put it a hundred? Let's put ninety-eight, and let's say there's always a little bit of a room. Yeah, there. when war flags get a helicopter and get them to drop a surfer flag onto the pitch, that's when it can go to a hundred. That's where you're setting your your, your level at. Fantastic. Um, so the next question is, how much do you approve of your club's ownership? Oh, there's always this question in there, isn't there? That's just leading to Saudi connotations and, and this, that and the other, isn't there? Are you, are you... So, I'm putting a piece together and it'll be out soon. It's it's about the rise of the Newcastle United YouTuber. Um, you guys have been interviewed on Newcastle Fans TV and various other um, channels as well. And one of the questions I asked them was how are you, how are you guys addressing the controversy that comes with co-Saudi ownership? Now, a few people I've interviewed have said, well, we've discussed it 
we're constantly repeating the same question over and over again. It's not going to change anything. Like we, we do we do discuss it when it's needed to. We have discussed it in length at the beginning. But are you are you on that same same wavelength, Sam, where you go, well, how much more can we talk about it? Like what 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 good is that going to do? Yes and no. Um, if you follow, uh, I run the Newcastle Fans TV Twitter. So if you follow follow us on there, then you'll see we've had a bit of a back and forth lately with um, a national journalist who, ironically, is in, is in uh, Qatar at the moment covering the World Cup. Um, and we've invited him on to, uh, for, uh, I mean, I don't know why I'm not naming him because it, it's not a secret. So Ollie Holt. Um, we've had a we had a bit of a back and forth on Twitter. Then we, then we were DMing, and like he he's agreed to come on to Newcastle Fans TV to 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 have an open, honest, fair debate. Um, it was meant to happen before the World Cup, but um, for one reason or another, that didn't happen. Um, he's now covering the World Cup in Qatar, so you know. <laughs> It, it, it's a tricky one because it just seems like there's no right answer. There just there just there just isn't a right answer. Um, so, look, I, I'm more than willing to listen. Like, I, I don't, I don't hold anything against people that want to call out the ownership. I wouldn't go and protest because I, I find that a bit odd. I, I don't know. It, it it it's tricky, but I'd I'd like again. The issues are there to be talked about, and if anything good can come from this World Cup in Qatar, that all these issues have been talked about. Um, but yeah, it, it it's so so tricky, so tricky. Yeah, I think a lot of people are divided. You know, I I'm a believer that you need like you you need to discuss the the issues and talking about them. It's probably it, it's a good thing because it's in the public eye and hopefully that can bring about you know some change. But as we've said previously on these episodes, Sam, it's not the responsibility of the Castle fans to lead to lead the change, to lead the charge for change because there's so many bigger uh, elements at play. You know the the, the United uh, Kingdom government and all and all that. So it's in Castle United fans don't need to be um, shouldn't be tasked with the responsibility of leading. Leading the charge for change. Very true. Um, and one thing I've always said uh, since the takeover, which hasn't happened, is I don't want to be answering these questions about Saudi ownership and this, that, and the other. I want Richard Masters to be answering them. He's 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 the one that's green lighted it for for a reason or whatever. Um, I want to hear from him uh, about it because if it was that big of an issue, it wouldn't have got the green light eventually, would it? So I want to hear his reasoning behind it. Yeah, one hundred percent. It'd be good to get some 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 clarity to to why the Premier League, you know, put it through what they saw, which which allowed them to to tick it off. Um, cause it's going to be interesting to see what happens when, if Saudi investment comes into Manchester United or Liverpool. <coughs> Apologies, is is the same scrutiny going to be applied there? I highly doubt it. As Andrew coughs again. Nice try. Apologies. Did I mute that in time? You did. You did. Yeah. You really did. It was absolutely textbook. Fantastic. Um, but in general, you know, the approval of the club's ownership, I think you have to kind of you have to kind of separate or, or do you? I don't know actually. Do you separate the controversies when you when you answer this question? I don't know. Um, or you can tell, I mean, I like to just stick at face value and look, Amanda and Murd out of the face of the ownership, aren't they? Um, although they're not the people with uh, the big money behind it. That's obviously um, PIF. So, but Amanda and Murd have a big say in what goes on. They're, they're there day to day and are doing a fantastic job. Yep, 100%. I don't think anyone would, would disagree with that. You know the communication, the engagement, what they're doing with the women's side, what they're doing within the community. There's loads of fantastic elements away from the football that they're getting stuck into. Um, give me your rating, then. I feel like this might be 
one of the most difficult ones just simply because of all the the, 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 the controversy that does come with the ownership. And again, the question, do you separate, don't you? Do you talk about it, don't you? So I'm going to put you on the spot there. How much do you prove of your club's ownership? Exactly. So, so, so run that past me. Get to how, how is that question? Is that how the question is actually? It is. How much do you prove of your club's ownership? Zero to 100. Sam's throwing his cheeks out there because I, I guess the, the controversy and everything, it's a little bit, it's not its not as black and white as that question. No, it, it's not at all. It really isn't, considering everything is black and white on this podcast. But, um, yeah, 75, 75, because um, we all know why. Um, but I'm, I'm more than happy with the ownership and the job they're doing from a football standpoint, and that's what I think we all prefer to, to stick to. Yeah, from a football and community aspect. And that's been the argument as well as of many people who have gone to Qatar to cover the football, uh, many pundits and, and, and what have you. You know, their argument is really concentrate on the football. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the final question, if I'm correct, it is the final question. How much of an emotional connection do you feel with the existing squad? a uh, hundred easy like you, this, straight in you, this is like so easy because the group is so together and the club's media department the shackles are off them and they're putting out some fantastic stuff um and with the players what they post on social media to each other the little gift nick pope sent to, to bruno for his little lad mateo they're just oh it's it's brilliant and you want these guys to do so well um you believe in them the the journeys some of these players have been on, like Sean Longstaffs, who, as you well know, I I, I was a staunch defender of when things weren't going well, um, and Joe Linton as well. Wow, what a transformation! And Almiron, your man. It it's um yeah it, it's hard not to it really is and it's it's a shame when these players leave because I mean look, look the likes of Isaac Hayden yeah you probably sort of know that it, the time was for someone like him to go he's a fantastic player proper Premier League player there's no doubt about that but just doesn't really fit into Eddie Howe's the way he plays um and he, he what a warrior he was for Newcastle United um really sad to see him go and the same will be said when the day eventually does come for Matt Ritchie because he's been linked with a move away every transfer window since he joined and he's he's always stuck with us his family lives on the south coast still um he wants to finish his career down there but he's he's been with Newcastle he's been one of the most important players for Newcastle United in recent history I think what's interesting is that these players just seem to get it like you can look at Trippier and look at Bruno, no release clause in their contracts when they sign Newcastle with Stoughton relegation straight in the face, looking likely to go down. They came, they bought into the project, they helped Newcastle stay up. They've got a massive connection with the fans. Like They just seem to get it. And that goes for every man in, in the camp as well. Everyone just seems to get it. And we are sometimes caught in this bubble of being a Newcastle fan where we think, you know, it's very different, you know, living up here and there's a player and you get stopped in the street. Footballers will get stopped everywhere, whether it's Manchester or Birmingham. But it is a little bit uh, a little bit more extreme up here, I would say. You know, it is a little, the tension is a little bit more on you. Certain players can't handle that, certain players can. But it appears that everybody that pulls on that black and white shirt at the moment does give the fans a time of day, wants to, whether it's throwing their, 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 their shirt into the crowd, whether it's stopping in the supermarket for, for a quick selfie while they're getting a, a pint of milk, you know, it, it's just, they just seem to, to get it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. It really is. The, 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 the pictures you see on social media, it, it just seems like we are united to, to corner a cheesy phrase. Um, but it is, it's from, from the first team to the women's team to, to, the the development sides, which will which will get there, it, it just seems like we're all pulling in the in the same direction for the first time in years. 
has there been a moment, and this is a difficult one to put you on the spot, but has there been a moment this season of um, of something that's happened, you know, where players maybe gone and and and, and given a, a you know a fan a cuddle or given a fan a shirt? Is there a moment that's come across on social media, whether it be St Maximin Harden out the watch, where it kind of just it kind of just sums up that emotional connection between fan and and player between fan and player. Um... Like for, no, I'll give no, one because... example. So, like the Everton game, I was sitting right at the front of the of the of the of the, of the uh, Leeser's end, and uh, Bruno came in, into the into the crowd at the end of the game and just just hand his shirt to this to this young kid who must have been I don't know six or seven. And the look on this kid's face was, I mean, the look on his dad's face was quite yeah. as well, but the look on the kid's face was just brilliant. And I know that happens quite a lot; it happens at every ground, but. I don't know. It, 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 there was just something about that moment. You just it was just it was just something about it. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is there, is there a moment that you've seen? That you've Before been you mentioned like the fan interaction bit, the 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 moment that actually came into my mind straight away was um, in the Everton game as well. Was when uh, Anthony Gordon was having a bit of beef with Trippier, and then Fabian Share just comes in and. Uh, well, he d- he didn't dissolve the situation, uh, but well, he, 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 he certainly sorted it out. Um, yeah, yeah, but it, it just shows a complete togetherness, doesn't it? And they've got each other's backs. Um, every, every game's the same after after every home game. Now there's the connection there, whether you're whether you're home or away, actually. So the mm-hmm. connection is always there at the end of the game. The players always come into the crowd, throw shirts, no matter what the result. We haven't um, mentioned the flags. I mean, because a lot of the flags are directed at, at players. I mean, the Almuon flag, for example, or the St. Maximum flag against Palace. Was it last? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, you know, that's another sign of just how close the connection is. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we, we mentioned the the one for St. Maximum against Palace when I when I interviewed uh, Maxi. He said how much that meant to him. So it's it's the relationship is reciprocal and. It, it means a lot to both fan and player, which is why there is such a highly charged emotional connection. 100%. So are we going for 100? You've already answered that. It's 100, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we have. Easy money. Easy money. Easy done. Look how happy you are. And I think your uh, responses to all these questions will will be largely what everyone else is feeling as well, as close to 100, if not at 100, as you can get. You guys watching and listening, can you please fill in this area? The link is in the comments. The link is in the podcast description. Um, we've also got our fans footballer of the year, where our chief sports writer, Lee Ryder, has nominated four Newcastle United players to take the Newcastle crown. The last two years, St. Maximum has won. He's not up for the running this year. It's Trippier, it's Bruno, it is Almiron and Joe Linton. Out of those four, who wins? Bruno. Sam? Bruno, there we go. Um, and then Bruno is also up for the national award against the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Mo Salah. Um, you can vote for that. I'll put that comment, the, the link for the vote into the um, the comments. Um, I think with the help of Toon Polls, Bruno could could win it. So do get yeah. voting if you haven't already. I know there's been a few issues on mobile browser, but it seems to work on desktop. It seems to work for uh, most people on their mobile as well. But do keep trying. Um, I know our technical... Uh, boffins are trying to fix it, so uh, but do keep trying. I'll put the, co- the link into the comments. Um, can he win that one, Sam? Does he deserve yes. to win that one? Yes, yes. Assume Whatever you're going to ask me about Bruno, uh, anything positive, it's just going to be yes because he's the best thing ever. He's the best thing ever, yes. That's that's that uh, is the debate, and this is the debate I like. I like to think I've started. Um, we asked Lee Clark about it last week, and it's been going on. I know it was at, it was put to um. Uh, Shearer and Harper on the the Nust evening as well is Rob Lee versus Bruno, prime Rob Lee versus present day Bruno. There's the, there's the debate. I think you've got to give Bruno a little more time to 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 see where he can get to. Be, be, uh, yeah, Bruno, yeah, Bruno in a year's time, maybe. You know, I don't know because yeah. prime Rob Lee was was I mean it was yeah. fantastic. I know, which is what makes it such a brilliant question. I mean, we know your answer to that already, so it's not really a question, is it? Um, well, no, I just think, like, 
at the end of last season, I'm going, I don't know how else to describe this guy when we're doing our post-match stuff. I was like, he's the best midfielder I've seen in nearly 30 years of supporting Newcastle United. So, like, and Rob Lee's obviously very, very close. And then, I mean, like, when you take a player like Johan Cabine, like, he's not even in the debate now. That that just tells you what high level we're talking about. That is that is quite something. And maybe that is a, a, a discussion for another podcast, given the debate in the, in the comments then obviously what we've seen on social media my question and turn it into your own podcast no, I would invite you, you you would be the guest Sam you would be the oh, guest don't worry fair enough well, we've given worry. them a spoiler of what I'm going to say though yeah well, well don't worry I'll, we'll make it an hour long episode and we'll I'll your argument apart because there's plenty of people you haven't mentioned Gary Speed for one but that's that's a total subject another subject for another day Um, I'll say thank you Sam for spending the morning with us on the everything is black and white podcast to you guys watching and listening um give a quick round of applause to survey man there he always loves coming on and answering these questions um we might get him a cape for the next survey that comes around do fill in that survey please and do hit subscribe on youtube as well as on your podcast channel and leave us a rating and review head over to chroniclad.co.uk where you keep it with all the latest Newcastle United news thank you very much for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your week um, actually, before we sign off, Sam, just point us in the direction of where they can find your lovely podcast and YouTube channel. So go on your podcast provider, type in Newcastle Fans TV, and then select the Greenwood and Mulliner show on Newcastle Fans TV. Hit subscribe, hit the five star button, listen and enjoy. Do that after you've done that for the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs>